world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patreon. journey of Conversations on the Fringe. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Josh, and welcome to the Red Pill Project's Conversations on the Fringe, live with you every Friday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is where we have those conversations that are outside of that normal purview, typically reserved for bars and campfires, but we like to delve deep into that rabbit hole and talk about those things that you know, really expand our mind to those extents that they're meant to be expanded to. Tonight, we're talking about light, sound, and frequency with Gal Lynn. And let me just do a quick little intro on Gal. She's a renowned visionary, inventor, and pioneer in the realm of frequency healing, celebrated for her groundbreaking creation, the Harmonic Egg. Uh, she's also created the Ellipse and the Lift systems. Uh, these innovative sound and light frequency chambers designed with the aim of fostering holistic healing and wellness stands as a testament of Gail's visionary approach to promoting mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. She is also the author of Unlocking the Ancient Secrets to Healing, Why Science is Looking to the Past for Future of Medicine. Gail, how are you tonight? And welcome to Conversations on the Fringe. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well, actually. I mean, I've uh, I've had a rough day, but you know what? It's like one of those days that's like, uh, but it's like refreshing and accomplishing. You know, you're like, okay, you know, it, it, it's better now. And uh, I I woke up. Well, last night I had a big old stain on my ceiling, and so something was leaking. Had no idea what it was. 
So my buddy came over today. We ripped out the ceiling in, in the room and uh, thought it was the toilet. And we were already renovating the bathroom, but we we're going to leave the floors in. So we literally took up the whole floorboard, which was concrete and tile from the 1970s. And that took like four or five hours. Then we realized it wasn't the toilet. Oh, no. And then we found out it was the dishwasher. So we pulled the dishwasher out. Luckily, it was a new um, it was a new leak. And so we caught it in time. I got fans blown on it. It's an easy fix. Um, but had a lot of work that we had to get done. But instead, we did it. We were going to do it over time. But we did it today instead. So, But, you know, it's like, okay, I got holes in my ceiling. I got uh, the floor ripped out. And I'm just like, it was a good day. Why not? I love it. I, I usually work. 14, 16 hour days, but I love what I do. So it's, I accomplished a ton today, got up at six, it's what, 7.30 now, and uh, you know, still going like the Energizer Bunny, but you know, I do love what I do. So I figured it'd be fun to have a chat with you. Well, and, and I appreciate that. And I'm curious, what is it that you do? Because you have, I, I've, so I've been listening to a little bit of content of yours over the last, uh, last week. And um, it, you don't just do one thing. You do a ton of different things and you have a very diversified background. Um, why don't you start a little bit about your background and we can just move from there. Sure, sure. Well, I grew up in the Detroit area um, in the automotive industry. My dad had a seventh grade education. My mom had a high school, high school diploma. My dad's theory in life was just work for the automotive industry, work for Ford Motor Company, get a pension, retire, and your life's going to be great. It just didn't feel right to me. And, you know, we were groomed to be automotive workers up there. So worked in engineering, did some project management. And I just thought this isn't really making a difference in anybody's life. And so I moved to Texas to get into the telecom business and do international consulting, kind of like you did some business consulting, helped, you know, when GTE before they became Verizon was kind of on that team. And still didn't feel right. I got, you know, I got married and I got divorced. I should have just stayed, um, you know, as a business partner with this gentleman, but we were great business partners. We just weren't great in marriage. And then, you know, so I'm kind of just figuring out life. And then I end up going to a karate school and wanting to take some self-defense and I meet Elvis Presley's stepbrother. Hmm. Right. So I think he's lying. And so I'm like, really? Nobody knew Elvis. It was like knowing Mickey Mouse. So he starts bringing in all these books and look at this is me and Elvis. And this is this is Elvis, you know, on tour. And this is me in the background. And okay, great. So you're Elvis's stepbrother, whatever. So we end up dating for seven years and we do a movie together. So then I'm in Hollywood, living in California. And now I look back and I think how hilarious it was that I needed to be an engineer with international business. Uh, experience and Hollywood experience to be doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. Uh, you say engineer, what type of engineer were you? So robotics and electronics. Okay. I would build circuit boards. I, I ran um, uh, dynamometers and tested DC motors and wound armatures. And I was a lab um, kind of working on the calibrations of the lab equipment and the motors lab. I worked and uh, did drafting CAD. I mean, just so many things. It was fun. I really yeah. love automotive because it was something tangible. I could peek in the window of cars and say, we worked on that switch or, you know, I was, I went to the wire plant and look, I was able to see how they wrapped the wire assemblies and, and put them in the cars with the little Christmas trees. And 
it was fun and it was a group of guys and just always laughing and just having a great time. And I, I liked it more than telecom because it was something tangible. Mm -hmm. Telecom, everything's in the cloud. What's right. in the cloud? How does the cloud work? I don't know. What's in the cloud? <laughs> so you're dating Elvis's stepbrother, yeah. California. Then what is this profound change that happens in your life? Well, after the automotive uh, job and then the telecom job, then the Hollywood job, I was really, I felt like on the nerves of, uh, on the verge of a nervous breakdown, really. It was too much. And if anybody in your audience knows Hollywood or the movie business, it's stressful. It's very stressful. It's so many hours and it's intense and so many different projects from raising the money to doing the script to the set design, to the costumes, to the, you know, all the way to editing and the film festivals. It was so stressful that I found myself in severe cardiovascular stress. Doctors said, you're on the verge of an instant heart attack and you have the heart of an 80 year old. And so I knew I needed to make some changes, but what, you know, where do you go? And then the universe or God, whatever word you use, it just kind of presented me with sound and light therapy, which I didn't even believe in because the engineering mind says, how do you lie in a box, listen to music and look up at a rainbow colored light bulb and your autonomic nervous system comes back into balance. So that started the journey of what in the world, how did this happen? My asthma that I had since I was four got better after a weekend of sessions. My eyesight improved. My migraines, uh, they decreased in intensity and time that I would have them. And I thought, this is this is just too crazy. So I, that's when I started the journey and just started reading every book I could find from Edgar Casey to Royal Rife to Wilhelm Wright to anything about sound and light therapy, Richard Gerber, uh, read so many books and it started to make sense. And now with your technical background, this was a giant leap, wasn't it? Because I, I mean, I was, uh, I was in the military. I was trained in classical electronics, electrical theory, um, went out, went to CU Boulder. I studied physics and, and uh, electrical engineering um, and computer engineering, electrical engineering. I call it electrical, it's just my background. But when we look at academia and their perspective upon what it is, what is actually happening on the quantum level, what is happening on the molecular level and how that is interacting on the macro level. It is a completely different mindset and understanding of what is discussed in a lot of the spiritual circles or in a lot of the various authors that you just mentioned or even ancient texts. Uh, Tesla was one of the, the first to bring all this up when he discussed uh, things like radiant energy, right? Um, you have others from that time frame, and then Royal Rife obviously comes in the play, and and he's a huge, uh, he's a huge person in that time frame that develops the Rife machine and starts healing people of cancer and other types of ailments. Then you have, like you just said, um, you know, orgone energy, right? And we start talking about orgone energy, and this blows up, and he gets jailed, right? Right. And then there's this kind of like period of silence for a little. And this is actually when the tech boom occurred. 54 is when the Silicon Valley started being developed up, Bell Laboratories. Silicon Valley takes off in the 60s, gets tons of investments, and you see a lot of this stuff just drop off. And, and it's interesting, too. 
I like looking at the history of the, the late 19th century, early 20th century. Um, James Clerk Maxwell, we talk about Einstein, we talk about, um, you know, Max Planck, all these guys. And we start discovering that every single one of them, number one, believed in a creator. Number two, they believed in the, the lumispherous ether. Even Einstein talked about how his equations would work way better with an ether than not. And therefore it must be by default, but they had the Michelson Morley experiment 1900 that kind of put that all to the side. Um, but when we start looking at modern electrical theory, this is so far away from these ideas. And it kind of makes sense because we live in a world of disinformation, of misinformation. And it's not necessarily coming from people like us. We're just trying to figure out what's going on. It's coming from government. It's coming from academia. And when we, we look at academia, we have to understand that we're given a base foundation of knowledge, but there's only so much that we can actually trust in there. So what I would like to know is, is being someone who is an electrical engineer, who's worked in the field, who's developed these systems and processes, what is your view of what it is in, in the sense of what is the dynamic system that is operating in the universe right now? How, how does it, what is it? How is it operating? And we can use all different words, but in your scientific mind, how do you explain that in a spiritual nature? How do I explain what's happening with the harmonic egg and energy medicine? Is that what you're asking? Um, I, I, well, yes, yes and no. I, well, we weren't into okay. the harmonic egg yet, but I, right, I guess right. is, is what is energy? Yeah. What is spirit in your perspective? What is energy? Okay. What is spirit? What is electricity as we know it and how it operates? And how are all these things interrelated and correlated? So everything is energy. And that's what I try to get through to my some of my center owners, because everything is energy. People right now are doing a lot of energy medicine, and they don't understand that everything is energy. Someone in your auric field, someone working on you as a massage therapist, you're sharing energy with them. You're sharing this um, the emotions that they might be putting off. So a lot of people will leave a healer and say, oh my gosh, I felt really angry. And, and they don't realize that maybe it was the, not their anger, but the healer's anger. So I have people who, I used to run a center in Westminster and it was kind of the healing, the healer's center. So people would come in all walks of life that were healers from dentists to veterinarians, to DOs, M MDs, NDs, acupuncturists, uh, you name it, they came in. And so I remember one massage lady, she goes, you know, I was working on this guy today and I was thinking, God, every guy that I meet hurts me and breaks my heart. I'm thinking you were working on somebody and thinking about this, probably pass that energy along to them. So everything to me is energy. The, the plant I'm looking at is energy, you know, just everything. So I try to get people to listen to their body and be discerning because everything's energy we have to be really careful with our energy and really careful what we share energetically with others. I had another shaman come in one time and she said, I can't work on anybody today because I feel really suicidal. And I said, what, what's going on? She said, I, I just don't feel right today. And I said, what has been happening with you? And she said, well, I went to Mexico, was partying a lot and I got a tattoo from a guy named Witch what were you thinking? I mean, it's energetically, she received energy from him through the tattoo. So we, we had to clear her energy, but thank God that she was responsible enough 
to say, I can't work on anybody today because my energy, if it spills into someone else, I'm going to be, you know, sharing stuff that I don't want to share with other people. So everything is energy. Einstein said that, um, Tesla knew that, uh, Royal Rife, everything is energy. And the thing with Rife, he was so brilliant. I don't know if you know who Stephen Ross is. He, he owns the World Research Foundation in uh, Sedona, Arizona. It's a huge library of books. He has one of Royal Rife's um, universal microscopes. And so in studying Rife's work, you know, people are using now the, the spooky, the spooky to uh, and using his frequencies. But unless he's there running your cells and, and staining your cells and looking at them under a universal microscope, the frequencies that he identified back in the 40s are it's cancer is not the same frequency. It's a different energy now. It's a different mutation. So that's why people really need to pay attention to their energy. I love that. Well said. Uh, and so uh, there's so many cross correlations to what you're talking about and things that we've, we've had discussions about. Um, I, I find it interesting that, you know, we look at everything as energy. Um, it, it's, I've had physicists on the show before and I asked them to define it. Yeah. Define energy in a scientific perspective. And well, you know, in, in a you know, mechanical scientific perspective, it's the ability to do work. Okay, well, what does that mean? What well, what is the prime mover? What is what is it? And I, you know, the way I look at it is I, I use um I just use logic. I, I, I use uh the, the greatest paradox of all time is I, I ask people to define nothing. Well, you can't, you can't define nothing. The moment you define it, it becomes something. So this means that nothing has never existed. And since nothing's never existed, everything's always existed. So it's always been this way. It's it's hard to understand. It's kind of hard to comprehend in our monkey brains, but yeah. it, it's just the truth in the matter. And then I go into the perspective that I was just talking to you. Everything is in relationship. That the only thing that ever happens in the entirety of the universe, from the subquantum to the quantum to the molecular, all the way up to the macro to the cosmological, the only thing that ever happens is two systems of energy coming into exchange. That's it. It's energy exchange. It's just one system and another system or multiple systems all exchanging energy and then evolving from that exchange, system A, system B. And this is what they talked about in a lot of occultism with the Trinity, is that you would have the mother and the father come together to produce the sun. The yeah. sun being the, the convergence of those two energies, the mixing of those two waters, the yin-yang coming together to produce the third system that is a mixture of those two. So it's not an increase of energy. It's a balance of those energies. But also it is more um, – it, it, it has more infrastructure. It's highly structured. It's, it's um, fractal in nature. It's more complex in its integrity, and it's evolving. And after billions and trillions or whatever many years, you get to this. You get to this exchange of energy that, you know, talking spirits and consciousness that's interacting with each other. And well, I was I was listening to one of your podcasts on the way home today and it, we were talking you were talking about kindness and community and, you know, we're all one and everything. And and I thought, you know, this is such a beautiful thing. And I looked down and there's three dogs in the road. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I can't let these dogs get run over. So I put my hazard lights on. I stop in the middle of the road and I'm freaking out because I'm starting trying to get out of the car. The dogs are jumping on my door, like, help me, lady, help me, lady. And I'm, I'm, I'm finding it very comical. So I get out of the car and I'm thinking, I hope nobody runs me over. So another car coming this way, put his flashers on and then 
cars were going around and being very rude. But then another truck stopped and they said, is this, are these your dogs? I said, no. And the three of us came together in community, in kindness. We threw the dogs in the backseat of my car and I drove them over to the canine rescue. And the one guy said, I said, I don't know where it is. He said, I'm going to turn around. You follow me. I'll take you over there. The other lady, she was like, thank you so much for doing this. The canine people said, you did the right thing. Thanks for bringing the dogs. They are chipped and we'll find their owners. That's but awesome. I thought, I'm just listening to this podcast and I'm, I manifested this community, this beautiful expression of, of kindness with people that you don't see very often. People That's right awesome. now are real angry. You know, and I, I, they call me the bear of doom and gloom on my weekly show, the political show. And and I don't mean to be that way. It's just this, the state of the world and where it's evolving to. But we can look at that as opportunity to evolve and grow and grow community and expand community and do things that we haven't done in a long time. Or we can look at it in the sense of doom and gloom and just not do anything and stay solo and, and fall off the cliff, right? Yeah. And I, I look at it in the sense that this is the reality of the world that we live in, but yet we can decide to change it. Right. And that, that change comes from the longest, uh, the longest path that you're ever going to take from the convergence of your head and your heart, right? Is right. If, if you can make that, that, that journey between the head and the heart, you understand how the world changes, how you can change the world. This is what yeah. Gandhi was really talking about. Right. And can you, you've seen this because I know your show and I know about you now. The systems are collapsing. Things are falling apart. I mean, just so many things are comical at this point. Technology's not working. Things aren't working. The judicial system doesn't work. The systems aren't working. And so it's an opportunity for us now to build back better. And I am so excited about it, even though it's very frustrating on a daily basis trying to get things done. But they have to crumble for us to build it back up. And we have to take our power back and say, this is how we want to see the world. That's right. And, and, and I think that the key there is to take our power back and not let the, the 1% out there rule and dominate the progression of this planet to the next phase. And that they, they have that, the World Economic Forum has that model to build back better. And the thing is, is that we need to build our communities better. We need to build our family structure better. We need to build our towns and our cities better. We need to build our states better. And guess what? When we start building those foundations, everything else follows. The federal government will correct itself when all of those things become in order. The, the global systems will correct themselves and they will evolve to the states that they're meant to be in, in a point of optimization. But it, it starts with here. And, and we're actually, I was talking to, um, we have a, an astrologer friend that comes on the show regularly, Laura Lee. Um, and she's a union uh, astrologer. So she does a lot of research on Carl Jung and then integrates that into the aspects of archetypes and the, how the various archetypes are actually represented by the internal tarot or by the Zodiac. Or, yeah, the Zodiac. And one of the things we were talking about is that, you know, this, this world is going through what I would consider to be an apocalypse. The apocalypse being the Coptic derivative, etymologically derivative of the unveiling, the unveiling of the uh, of Isis of Sais, the unveiling of the mysteries, the unveiling of that which is deep and dark inside of us. And that we're moving into a great awakening to where everything is coming to light. So we're moving from that darkness into the light. But it's not the world that is having the problems. It's all the individuals who have the skeletons in the in the closet, the deep strife within them, the, the repression, the trauma, 
all of that stuff that's built up inside of us over the decades, over the centuries, the, the, the generational traumas that's built up inside of us is all finally coming out to the surface. And that is manifesting on a collective level as the collapse of all the systems, as a, a angry, evil elite realizing it and trying to take control and control the flow of where it all goes because they know that chaos is ensuing. But I always looked at chaos as simply a system restructuring itself to a new point of optimization. Yeah. To get, I think it was Bruce Lipton that said, to get from here to here, from the bottom to the top, what's in between is chaos. Yep. So I love it. And we have to get rid of the ancestral traumas and all the stuff. I, I'm Polish descent. And so some of the stuff that I was raised with was um, you have to work for every penny you make. Uh, you're trying, my dad would say, you're trying to buy steaks with hamburger money. I'm like, dad, I deserve a steak. You know, I deserve that. And I work really hard and he worked really hard as well, but he had this mentality that you had to work hard to make every penny. And so, you know, when you're raised with this, these kind of, um, uh, you know, phrases and they get in your subconscious, they just kind of keep playing out. So you have to figure out how to deconstruct yourself even growing up in automotive, it says, I always thought, oh, only men invent things. That's not true. So really fun stuff that I had to deconstruct and just, I love my life. And I always say the triggers are your treasures. If something triggers you, it's a treasure. It's something for you to grow from. People used to come into the center and say, well, I have cancer. And I would say, great. This is an opportunity for you to change, to do things differently. Because if you keep doing the same things over and over and expecting different results, it's the definition of insanity. Yep. So, you know, and once you have a disease like that or an illness like that, your body has been speaking to you for, for probably years. Maybe you stubbed your toe or you broke your right ankle or you tore your rotator cuff or something. You know, the body's then once the cancer happens, it's the body's screaming at you you have to make some changes, you have to shift some things. Um, so it's been really beautiful to just watch people um, grow and flourish over the years and deconstruct themselves and do their shadow work and get rid of the trauma and get rid of the stories because we carry around all these stories and there are identities, but they're not serving anybody. They're not serving us to be on our path of our highest and best. Absolutely. Um, my thoughts, I, I, I want you to talk a little bit about the harmonic egg and kind of how this idea came to you after the study, the research, was there a certain experience with other types of light and sound frequency that kind of brought you into that? Yes, absolutely. So um, the first experience I had was with the light, uh, light box where it was a rectangular box and it felt very masculine. And I felt like we were coming into the age of Aquarius, the, the divine feminine. And I felt like what this gentleman had created was beautiful, but it, it wasn't a 360, you know, healing modality. And I wanted something that felt like it was an immersive experience. And then what kept coming to me was the egg. The egg is where life comes from. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. So how do you build a large wooden egg? Because I wanted it to be made out of uh, a natural material, almost like forest bathing. I wanted the music to not be MP3 files because MP3 files are very cold and clinical and it, it 
cuts off the integrity of the music and the musician's um, beautiful intention. So we use the WAV files and I wanted something that had like the golden ratio and was sacred geometry. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, look at history, you look at the pyramids, you look at some of these sacred geometric shapes and forms and they're still surviving, they're still there. And so after we created the egg, we had the Marshall fires in Colorado and we had an egg center in Louisville, didn't, didn't touch it. Then we had the Fort Myers uh, egg center with the hurricane. Hurricane didn't touch it. We had a flood in Traverse City, Michigan. The flood didn't touch the egg center. We had a tornado in Garland, Texas, didn't touch the egg center. Actually two five-story buildings were in the same parking lot. One was leveled, the one with the egg was not leveled. So I'm I think I'm onto something here, something very sacred about this. The egg guardians are, um, they're, they're like the sacred keepers of the egg. And so we, we have that. And then I thought we need to use the colored light because Edgar Casey once said, if somebody would bring together the spiritual forces of sound and the spiritual forces of light, it'd be a great modality for the future. And then you enclose it. So you're not losing any of the resonance to the ether of a room. And so it's, it's a combination of frequency, vibration, light waves, sound waves. And then we consciously created this music with musicians who have a high heart energy. We don't use synthesized music. We use the instruments because the waveforms of instruments can help the systems and the organs of the body. So it's really cool to watch somebody on flute music and then come out and say they felt it in their liver. They felt mm. some movement. People coming out on um, drumming music and we did live blood analysis and we're finding it's building the immune system, more white blood cells. So a lot of studying, a lot of research, a lot of engineering and trying to figure out how to build something that's 3D, the size that a human being can go inside and and have a smooth inside with wood. I was told it was impossible to make. It is a bit of an engineering marvel. But as Walt Disney said, if you can dream it, you can do it. Absolutely. Um, and I love the idea of the egg shape because it's so primordial, right? right. Is that we, we all came from that. Every species on this planet comes from some form of an egg. Um, and what is, a, what is the egg inside the, the womb of the mother? What is the baby, yeah. the fetus inside the womb of the mother? But nothing more than a resonance chamber, right? Yeah. The absorption of light that's coming in, the absorption of sounds. Uh, it was funny. My, my father passed away in 2015. Um, and my old Facebook account was deleted. And so I lost all my access to his account. And like, yeah, and it kind of uh, sucked. And, and yeah. I went to Facebook. I'm like, hey, help me out. And they're like, no. But I was able to get access and, and go look at what is his, his account. And there's a meme on there. And the, the meme was um, two babies, two twins are inside the womb. And one baby looks at the other w- baby and says, do you think there's life after mother? And the other baby says, no, there's absolutely not life after mother. What are you crazy? This is all there is. This is our reality. Okay. This, this is all you get. You get the sounds and the absorption of the light and there's nothing. He goes, so you don't believe that when we travel down the tunnel of light, that there's going to be another life, that there's going to be another world? No, this is it. And, and it draws home this, this idea and perspective of, you know, do we ever really leave the womb? Or is just life one womb transition after another? And, um, you know, with the harmonic egg, 
I, I'm curious. So like I got a bad shoulder, yeah. right? And I know from reading certain books that the, the shoulder is you have resentment and pain towards other people, trauma with other people, these types of things, right? Uh, well, I you know that point to your left shoulder? Yes. So that's also the feminine side, you know, so there's also, you know, emotions around that as well, but go ahead. So there's a harmonic egg center in St. Paul. I mean, yes. it's, just, I'm a, it's an hour away. I'm going to, I'm making an appointment next week. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try this out now. Okay. I'm, I'm incredibly excited about this because uh, it was actually funny. Uh, I, I was talking to uh, this gentleman today that I would consider my soulmate. I've had tons of various different spiritual experiences in my life. And when I met this gentleman, it was uh, a kind of interesting story. We were going to do our master Reiki certification. Um, and I walked down a stairwell and I walk into this door and I opened the door. And when I walked through, it was like walking into a cobweb of energy. It was just like everywhere. And he looks up and goes, did you feel that? And he was the only one in the room. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, sit down. We got to talk. And we just kept on talking and we helped each other through a lot of things we were going through in our lives. Um, and today I was talking to him and like, oh, by the way, you know, that was 2008. The last time I saw him, he goes, you know, brother, it's like sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll see each other when we see each other. Cause I was moving to Denver. He was mm -hmm. in Virginia and a whole bunch of story behind that. But you know, he's like, maybe I'll see you in a decade. A decade later, he sends me a video on, on WhatsApp one time. And he's like, dude, you got to listen to this guy. Check this out. And I used to have a podcast where I never showed my face. And it's called Q Patriot. And he sent me my video and had no idea that it was me. And I'm like, dude, oh that's God. me. And he's like, oh, my God, like crazy. And it was like a decade later. And I'm like, like, this is crazy. But I was talking yeah. to him today. And we were talking about manifestation. We were talking about a few different things. But, you know, when we start talking about energy healing, when we start talking about all of these different realms, the idea is that what is it in our body? It's like, because, I mean, we can talk about chakras. We can talk about auras. We can talk about all these things. What is it? What is that actually? Right? Because I'm like... I'm the logical scientific mind on the left side. And then I'm the mm -hmm. spiritual deep thinker on the right side. And the two don't compute, right? Like when we say chakras or we say meridians or we say auras, you know, I think that these are just terms that we create to explain things that maybe we don't fully understand. But when we're using light and energy therapy, you know, what are we what what is actually happening so yeah. I, I think that you have an answer for this in a biological sense with the cells am i am i correct on that yeah so you know when we're trying to heal something there's an imbalance in the body so you can talk about like you've talked about all the other things but the toroid field and so many different things but i think at the root there's emotional trauma and it's stuck in our mm -hmm. cell memory so even when people get into a car accident or say a football player gets hit really hard there's that cellular trauma and there's memory in our body. And so I believe that what happens is that memory then starts to go into the subconscious and then all of a sudden it, mem it remembers the trauma. So if you can hit the body with an energy modality, whatever one you choose to release the trauma at a cellular level before it has time to encode into the memory of the body, it really never happened. 
So that's why I've been trying to get into see, you know, football players and soccer players. There's a lot of trauma there. And, and I know this because I had a car accident. I got it hit at 60 miles an hour. A girl ran through the red light. She just got her license. She had her grandmother and her mother in the car. And there was snow covered on the light. She couldn't tell if it was green or red. She went right through it, hit me 60 miles an hour, oh, God. spun around the intersection, had the near-death experience. So somebody <coughs> opened my passenger door and I was like, hey, what's going on? Great to see you. And he's like, I don't know you, but I have to leave. But it wasn't your fault. you know. And I, and I called him later. He said, you freaked me out. And I said, I, at that moment, I knew everybody and I knew everything. Mm-hmm. It was that 15 minutes of that. And so I knew that if I got my body into the light box, this was 2016, Uh then I knew that if I released it from the cellular memory, it it, it never happened. And a lot of people with that kind of car accident have traumatic brain injuries and they're, you know, or they're paralyzed or something happens. I could barely walk. I got into the center. I did an accession and I fully recovered very quickly. So we know that trauma kind of sits in the cells and we need to be able to release that. So the trauma of all the stories, like you were saying, um, you know, the ancestral trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was 14, I was molested by the priest of the parish. No big deal. It's not my story anymore, but it was my story for a long time. And I remember getting out of the um, a sound and light therapy session one time and being super angry that finally bubbled up as 25 years later that that came up and bubbled up and I was able to release it. And because he would always kiss us and he had cold sores all over his lips and we would come back from a a trip with the priest and all the girls would have cold sores, you know, did not anybody put two and two together? You know, obviously there was something going on, but that moment that I released that I got the cold sore again. And I always, I kind of said, this is a a departing gift, right? So, but that release never came back again. So I think we can release this stuff. We can clear the veil and I think it can help us to see because we, we, a lot of us have that veil over our, over our face. We can't really see if you think about the third eye, the third eye chakra and seeing. So it's very spiritual to me. Um, It's very womb like, but there's also, we, we incorporate 10 minutes of silence because I've done different modalities, biomats, beamer mats, uh, you know, acupuncture, chiropractic, yoga, you know, and I, and I know what the feeling feels like when there's a spiritual experience. And so we incorporated 10 minutes of silence in the end of the session. And this was from a German doctor who kind of said incorporating at least six and a half minutes of silence after listening to relaxing music helps you to integrate and to hold it longer. But silence is the yin to the yang of sound. So you've got the yin and the yang and silence and listen are an anagram. So if you think about silence, it has the same letters as listen, which I thought was really super cool. I love And that. yeah, silence is where the true shifts happen. I knew you would like that because you have those little things that you like to, you know, pick apart like that. And so change occurs in the silence. When we use bird sounds inside of the harmonic egg and the music, we don't use synthesized birds. We use the actual birds because who can actually know when the bird's going to take a breath? And that silence is when the healing is happening. So 
I love the silence of it. I loved learning. I learned it just recently from Jonathan Goldman's podcast that silent and listen have the same letters. And I was like, that's amazing. It really hit home with me. You are. So firstly, I, I just wanted to apologize. I was on the internet and then I was writing okay. things down. You, you said you wanted to get with athletes. So one of my buddies is an active release therapist in Colorado, Denver. And he works with the Broncos and he works with the Nuggets. So I will okay. make an introduction to you okay. over there. But I wanted to write that down and, and pull up everything just so I, I had it in reference um, so I could make that introduction. It seems um, like such a win-win when if we can keep the guys on the field, we're seeing people, I mean, who's to say that a broken bone takes six or eight weeks to heal? I have a story of a kid that was um, on a soccer team. He was the star of the soccer team. He broke his foot. He comes into the center and he's like, you know, I want to play in the tournament in two weeks. I'm like, dude, you have a broken foot. He's like, no, yeah, but my mom said I should come here because my brother came here when he had Lyme disease and he was bedridden. And now he's semi-professional golfer. And he got out of bed and, and, you know, my mom said I can pick anywhere I want to go to heal and I'm choosing here. And he was like 17 years old. And he came in with a walking boot on. So we did one session. And then the next time he came in, he had a tennis shoe on. I said, really? Is it? And he said, no, it doesn't hurt. And I heard him praying when he was in there. I heard him talking to God. And um, so who's to say that we can't have spontaneous healing with intention? Frequency plus intention equals healing, right? That's what Jonathan Goldman says. Yeah. And, and we've seen it time and time again. They call it the nocebo placebo, right? Yeah. We've seen it time and time again with these spontaneous and instantaneous healings. Um, I wanted to touch on something that you just said. You're talking about the bird sounds inside the air. Yeah. Now there's a little known fact out there that the morning bird sounds, the bird songs in the morning, these actually have a purpose that the birds don't just sing within the morning and throughout the day without a purpose that the, the vibration of the bird songs actually open the petals of the flowers to catch the morning dew. Oh, that is so cool. Uh, it, it, it's mind blowing that nature yeah. is so integrative yeah. like that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about DNA in a minute, but the first thing I wanted to ask was about, maybe your experimentation with the harmonic egg and see if you had kind of gone this route with it. Cause you mentioned about spiritual experiences. Mm -hmm. Now I've, I've had spiritual experiences. And when I mean spiritual experiences, I've I, I'm writing my, my, my first book. I've been working on for five years called transcending the state, right? So transcending the state, what I learned from over 150 LSD trips before the age of 18. Um, I was a psychonaut. Um, I stopped doing LSD at that point in time. I, I, I did it one time after that. I had a really bad experience, um, but that was my learning, right? But since then, I've been able to replicate a lot of those states just through pure meditation. I've been able to do it through sound. Um, I haven't done it through light yet, but I, well, I've done it through darkness. I've done it through silence and I've done it through sound, right? And I mean, I've, I, I've, done things. I mean, this audience knows, but I don't want to get into it because I'll be here for 30 minutes talking about it. But I, I've seen things, I've, I've experienced things that are just absolutely profound. Like the, it was as real as day for me. And I know that I had that experience and that it really happened. Right. Nobody can tell me otherwise. I had that experience. And so 
with like hemisync technology or isotronic tones, these types of things, we can induce various different gamma waves, delta waves, whatever they might be. Has this been included within the harmonic egg to kind of the, the, the use the variability to find out where specifically those people can have transcendent experiences inside the egg? So I have been to the Monroe Institute. I've done the harm, uh, the Hemisync stuff. Um, so yeah, I kept I kept experimenting with things and trying to take the most profound experiences that I had and then bring them into the the experience in the egg. And so people have said, you know, I did a lot of LSD. I did shrooms. I've pot, um, but DMT. I think some of the stuff is. I haven't done any of this. But Jake Weaver, um, he does a podcast, Midnight on Earth. And, you know, he had an experience in the egg and he said it was just like one of those trips, but it was natural. He said as soon as the, the practitioner closed the door, he said he was basically in the um, in the, the stars. He said the, everything disappeared and he was in the universe in the, and he could see stars and everything. And I have people tell me that a lot, that it's very expansive it's very womb-like, very cocoon-like. And so, yes, I do feel like the way that we've designed the consciously created music, the way that we've done the sacred geometry, the way that we recline you in a zero-gravity chair, you can go and have a, I, I caught, with the yoga people, I call it shavasana on steroids. And I've had musicians tell me inside the egg, listening to my own music was transformational. Like they, they cried. They said, I have a hundred thousand dollar studio in music city, California and the inside the egg sounded better because it was a 3d immersive experience in a small cubic airspace. So when I was testing the prototype and I was sitting in there and all of a sudden I was back in the womb being born. And I thought, because my engineering mind was like, there's no way I'm making this up. And when I went to see Norm Shealy for a, a past life regression, I, I kept telling him, am I making this up? Am I making this up? So I thought I was making it up. There was something above. My mom and dad were in the room. There was something above that rubbed its hands together and said, she's here. And I freaked out because I, I thought I was making this up. But I remember my dad being scared and I remember my dad being in love. And so I called my parents. They were still alive. They both passed away in 2017. Mm -hmm. And I said, when I was born, was dad afraid? And he said, no, 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 I was in love. And my mom said, no way. You were scared to death. And so at that moment, I, I slammed together love and fear. And that ruined a lot of relationships that I had over the years because if you're in love, it's got to be fearful. If you're fearful, that's not love. And I slammed that together. So at that moment, I realized I did that and was able to deconstruct that. And I have a beautiful relationship now that is not fearful. And I've ruined a lot of relationships, I think, because of that moment when fear and love were the, were the same, were there. So I've had a ton of experiences. I can't wait till you get in there and have your experience and tell me what it's like because there's so many people that have come in. We don't use hemi-sync music or um, holo-sync or any kind of music like that. We use more of the natural experience because one, 
sound engineer said to me one time, he said, you know, you don't want to force the brain to come into balance. You want to let it ebb and flow. Like I might be in the left brain right now talking to you, but then I'm going to flop to the right brain. Maybe I'll be in the right brain for a while. Then I want to come back to the left, but I don't want to force the brain to come into balance um, unnaturally. So we try to do that naturally. And when you're in there, because there's two speakers in the parabola of the egg and it hits you in the center and you feel that you know, wah, 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 and you kind of go into a meditative state. You're reclined in a zero gravity chair, but you're also, the chair is on a hexagon platform. So these things act as portals. So that's what I think Jake Weaver experienced more of a portal inside. And so, so many people tell me that it's very angelic and that they feel experiences in there that they can't explain and maybe wouldn't even try to explain to somebody because they might not believe them. Right. I, 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 I got like so many ideas. Like my mind is just buzzing right now. I know I can tell I'm like, I better just take a pause here. I keep talking. <laughs> so with the speakers, I mean, do those turn into like self-modulating waves as they, they collide and interact with the egg? So I feel like this is what doctors doctors have told me. They said, Gail, what's actually happening in there is there's an egg field and there's the human field. And if you think about a waveform and an, an exact opposite waveform, finding each other and neutralizing it. So say you have Lyme disease. So the egg will find the Lyme disease and hit it with an exact opposite waveform to neutralize it. That's what uh, Dr. D'Angelo was telling me. He said, that's what I think is happening in there. Because I, you know, this was a download. You know, this yeah. was something that I don't think I'm that smart that I could download the brilliance of this. So just seeing my name on the patent, it cracks me up. I'm like, this was something that's something bigger than me, bigger than a lot of a lot of us. And so I ask a lot of doctors, healers, I'm like, what's really going on in there? And so cranial sacral people will tell me, okay, it's working on the cranial nervous system. I've had people with uh, brain injuries who've said, I can feel the cranial nerves and the, the nerves really healing. So there's something going on that I think there's an innate intelligence in there that can find the places that need healing. And that's why people will say, oh my gosh, I had this old torn rotator cuff and there was a sharp pain and then it was gone. And I've had people come in and say, I couldn't move my arm like further than just a little bit, you know, maybe 30 degrees up and I'm watching them walk out to their car, flinging their arm in the air, flying around and just wondering what the heck happened. Okay. So uh, the music, the music that's incorporated that is coming out, um, are there specific frequency ranges or scales that you guys are using? Are you using the solfeggio? So I don't because I found that the solfeggio I don't know that it's not accurate, but it doesn't resonate with me. What resonated with me was reading Kay Gardner's book, Sounding the Inner Landscape, and finding that the waveforms of instruments affect different organs and, and uh, systems of the body. And so I thought, that's where I want to go. I don't want to say that 528 hertz is going to heal the DNA for somebody, because if I'm vibrating at 600 hertz, I don't want to put myself on 528 Right now, measuring with pendulums and dowsing rods, the eggs vibrating at 1400 hertz. And the more eggs that come onto the planet, the higher they're all vibrating. 
So I don't want to put the solfeggio suite of uh, solfeggio suite of frequencies in there. So I use the waveforms of the instruments. So the waveform of the flute and the drum and the didgeridoo, and that's what we're using to affect the systems of the body. Then we're using the colors that go along with, say, I put a person in the other day for shame, which is in the sacral chakra. So I'm using flute music and orange light to and, and, and helping them set an intention to breathe into the sacral chakra and get rid of that shame because there's it's a low vibration. Disease lives in shame and fear and hate and anger, but disease doesn't live in love and gratitude. So when you can stay at that higher vibration, disease really can't touch you. So she said she felt very peaceful and happy after the session and didn't feel the shame as she was breathing into her sacral chakra. And we were using the orange light and flute music. It's so beautiful. So I, I've read so many books, Western medicine, Eastern medicine, the chakra systems. I've tried all these modalities. I talked to doctors. I talked to healers. I asked people, what is this doing? What are you feeling it's doing? And then I've just brought it together and we keep adding new music because as the planet's changing, the clients are changing, the frequencies are changing. And so, and then a lot of people will listen to, you know, 528 Hertz uh, through their computer and it's an MP3 file. Are they really truly getting 528 Hertz? But if it's the placebo effect and you get, and you get benefit from it, yay, because that's well, great. It, yeah. And, and digital files have such a low transcoding baud rate as per an analog file to where if you took the same music on an analog, you're going to have much more uh, effects by that music actually having a vibrational effect where in a digital context, you're not actually getting that. Yeah. Uh, it, now. Okay. I, I love this stuff. So I know I can totally geek like, out on it. I, yeah. So that that's interesting. What was the name of that book? Oh, Sounding the Inner Landscape by Kay Gardner. She's passed, but I think that her family didn't really realize the brilliance that she was. And so it's very sad because um, I, after reading about 98 books, I found her book and then it was like that light bulb went off. I said, that's it. Okay. That's what I'm looking for. You know, those so, moments. I, I do. And I love what you're talking about right here. Because I mean, one thing that I do is I, um, I do, I develop cockamamie theories on existence and reality and quantum physics and all this stuff. I love doing it. A few years back, I put together this whole theoretical model. Um, I was at CU Boulder. I, I brought it to my professors. They loved it. They said, go on, do PhD work, go ahead and try to prove this. I'm like, nah, I got other plans. And, but I, I kept it and I, I always kept a building upon it. Now, one of the ideas upon that was that, do you know who John Hutchinson is? In the 1990s, there was VHS videos of this guy in Canada who bought a whole bunch of old U.S. Navy radio equipment. And he set it up in his studio apartment and he was utilizing frequency generators to levitate bowling balls to, to disintegrate metal. Um, he was doing these phenomenal acts and nobody knew how he was doing it. Well, the government came in and confiscated all of this stuff. And that was all of that. So he went out there, got some more stuff and tried it again. And he was able to do it. And the government was like, how do you doing this? And he's like, well, it's this, that, and the other thing, right? They called it the Hutchinson effect. 
Um, I can actually pull up a video real quick of this. If you have never seen it, you got to see it. It's really cool. That's super it, cool. Yeah, let, let's check this out real quick. Should be a video. Okay. So, so you get the gist. I mean, he was, he was playing with various different frequency generators and he said that one day it just stopped. Like he wrote down the frequencies. He went back and he tried to try it for people and it didn't work anymore. And I'm like, like trying to break it down. Like, think about well, but what do you think that maybe what happened was energies on the planet shifted? And if he would have just adjusted it a little bit up, right, then it would have so, started again. Well, hold on. It, you're, you're right. The right. Yeah. So my thought and theory is this, is that what he was doing, he was actually using various different angles. So he had his, um, his transponders kind of angled at it in different ways. So he would try different angles of approach to shoot these frequencies. So there's a geometrical component in play but also if we start thinking about kind of the environment around us right the if you want to look at it as the ether this thing is definitely not uh at a continuous frequency or rate we know this with uh, so i talk about this right now is that uh, there's various different cycles that occur within the universe within our world within our life and these are all interrelated and intercorrelated there is a large cycle that is going on right now. We can see this through the symbology and the ancient scripts, and they try to warn us about these. Uh, if we think about the galaxy, right, and we're going through, it used to be the uh, the outer arm, but now we're going through the Orion arm, which is in the middle. It's kind of weird, but we're going through the Orion arm, and the Orion arm is a concentration of various different gases and dust and cosmic particles and charged particles and so forth. The center, we have Sagittarius A and B, black holes, discretion disks, levels out. And gravity does what? It transfixes to the center of that discretion disk. So in our spiral galaxy, we have gravitational forces that are centered towards the center of those arms, which means that those arms of gases and matter, it's more dense towards the middle of the arm and less dense in the outer arm, which means that the ionization pattern, if we looked at it as a torus, Obviously, we're going to have polarization, positive and negative, but we're also going to have various different densities of ionization, charged particles that we're going to move through. As we get towards the center of that Milky Way arm, higher density, higher intensity of particles, and then we go up into a new polarization and we come back down. So the whole 2012 thing, the end of the Mayan calendar, all that was representing was a transition into, if we broke this down in the seasons, into spring. 
that we're moving into the springtime. So we're coming back up on that cycle, on that negative cycle, and we're moving into higher density, higher ionized charged particles. I've been talking about this for a decade. And I said, you're going to see increased solar storms. You're going to see increased charged particle bombardments of the planet. And we go through the 11 and a half year solar cycle, which at when you go to a solar minimum, what do you have? You have an increase of charged particle ionization that hits this planet and produces an, an, uh, an increase in cloud cover on the planet to disarray that uh, the charged particles that are hitting the planet. Um, now we're finding out that our heliopause has its own magnetic field, that basically the sun has its own magnetic field that expands out past the heliopause, and that this dictates the magnetic field and the weather patterns on each planet and fluctuates and shifts from the various different types of currents coming out from outside the solar system, which means that it's coming from our galaxy and the various charged particles that we're running into, which means that if we're in that cycle and we're increasing in ionized bombardment of our solar system. What happens when you take a highly energetic plasma and you start adding an increase in the energy? Everything within its environment is going to increase its energy potentiation as well. And you're going to start seeing shifts and changes. And so in actuality, like from a scientific perspective, we are moving into this higher energy level. And so I look at that as a a tertiary frequency that you have to attune to because that is changing the dynamic nature and state of our planet and the ether of our planet. If we want to look at that as we progress through that. Now, John Hutchinson those, did those experiments right around the time of the great um, um, harmonic convergence. Nice. So, well, and that's why I tell people the music and the harmonic egg changes. And sometimes after a while, the music doesn't work anymore. And, and they said, well, can you explain why? I said, well, uh, you know, every, everything's shifting and changing. But at some level, too, I think some of the musicians, their ego gets in the way and then it's not going to work in the harmonic egg anymore. So, yeah, everything's changing and shifting. Um, you said so many things that I want to comment on, but um, <laughs> like blue light at noon is 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 the, the time to use blue light. Like you said with the birds, the birds singing in the morning to open the flowers. It, it's it's so amazing how the universe works, how everything works. And that's what I've been working on lately is how can we replenish our minerals and our vitamins with colors and sound? Because I think we're at the point where we can probably do that. Good segue. So I wanted to talk a little bit about DNA. Now there was an article that just came out uh, a few months ago pertaining to uh, um, epigenetics and DNA. And how they're able to utilize electromagnetic frequencies to actually act as an epigenetic factor on DNA expression. So they can express DNA now through electromagnetic frequency manipulation. Now, this is not mind-blowing to anybody in the conspiracy world because this is what we've been saying for the longest time. Now, Dr. Martin Blank, this uh, he was a doctor who published quite a few peer-reviewed papers. He passed away 2018 or 19. He was from Columbia University. He did a research paper in 2014 on the effects of uh, wireless and cell phone radiation, electromagnetic radiation on DNA. What he goes on to talk about in this study is that, yes, electromagnetic frequencies have a profound effect on DNA. Not only that, is that we realize that DNA is a fractal antenna and an electromagnetic transducer, meaning for everybody out there, it sends and receives signals. Now, that's mind-blowing. So then the question should be, what frequencies are they? Right? 
And so you go on and you, you, you actually use a peer reviewed study and it was, the paper was removed in about 2019. I have a copy of it somewhere on an old hard drive from Martin Blank, but he went out there and found that we see at um, a peak rate of about 32.5 to 34 gigahertz is what these, uh, the, 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 the frequency of your DNA is giving off and receiving. And this was interesting because there's a corollary article associated with this. And for people out there, there's something known as the cosmic microwave background radiation of the universe. The scientists tell you that this is the, the afterglow of the big bang. This is how we know the big bang happened. Well, the thing with the, cosmic microwave background radiation is that it, it goes between one to 300 gigahertz and it peaks on this planet at around 32 to 35 gigahertz at the surface level, which I found really interesting. And then there's a few other articles that go on the correlate that the cosmic microwave background radiation actually have an effect at manipulating and expressing our DNA through epigenetic factors. And so when we start to understand that, we realize that we're so much more associated with our environment, with the universe, so much more connected to it. But then it also brings about this other idea, this other aspect, that our, our bodies are massive chemical factories, biochemical, bioelectrical factories, that we can replicate anything externally, internally, with the right catalyst, I guess, or the right intention. This is kind of, I would say how the placebo effect works or, you know, how instantaneous healing works is the frequencies come in and they, they, they produce that healing to occur because our cells have um, a various different resonant frequency. This is what Rife was showing that our, our mitochondria have different resonant frequency, but that frequency is more likely attuned to your unique identity of your DNA frequency, which I believe so there's a movie out there called Jupiter Ascending. Have you seen this one yet? No, I have not. I'm going to write that okay. down. It's, um, it's kind of a Hollywood hoo-hoo movie, but it's the Wachowski sisters now. They used to be brothers, but now they're sisters. Um, but they talk about um, basically alien, Earth is a farm and humans are, are farm people, right? And there's this family that runs and rules the universe. And they're highly technologically advanced. They're humans. And they basically farm humans for this blue substance, which they bathe in and it rejuvenates them and they can live forever. Um, kind of the adrenochrome take on it. Right. Um, That's what I was thinking. But, yeah. Yeah. But the mother dies, is killed. And they have something known as a resurgence. And a resurgence is when you have an identical DNA match of that person that happens within the universe that's a resurgence, which we would call reincarnation. And I found it fascinating they associated that directly with DNA, as in when you have this same resonant frequency of DNA that appears again, that solar spirit, that, that divine light can now be accepted by that antenna, like an electromagnetic frequency, and be uploaded in the consciousness come to be. And so I, I, I always take that idea that we have a unique frequency identifier. And I actually, I don't know how many of my shows you listen to, but I did an Epstein video the other day. I Jeff didn't see that one. I just watched two of them in the uh, last couple yeah. of days. Yeah. We, we talk about the whole Epstein Island stuff like that. That is all a cover for something much deeper. And that is that Epstein, Larry Page from Google, Sergey Brin, uh, Bill Gates, George Soros have all for the last decade been in, have heavily invested in CRISPR-Cas9 technology and various other genomic companies. Um, and they've been collecting DNA data, data mining DNA companies. Now, uh, uh, 
Page, who's one of the founders of Alphabet and Google. His wife is Susan Wachowski, whose sister owns 23andMe, who just had 6 million people's DNA leaked. And so there's something going on there where they want to know your DNA specifically. They want to know all these people's DNAs because there's something specific about it. I believe that we all have a resonant frequency within our DNA. And this is one of the reasons why what you're saying that if Rife would have to look under a microscope to see your cell, to understand what your resonant frequency was specifically, because it's coming directly out of your DNA, which has a unique identifier. Like each phone has an MEID. Same thing. Each human being has a unique MEID identifier of their DNA, a certain resonant frequency of which they resonate at. And if we could attune to that, whoa, right? Like your mind starts like, well, I wonder what that is. I wonder what we could do with it. And now we start to realize that it's simply a modulation in, in a calculation to understand the healing frequencies for each individual. If we knew that resonant frequency or the opposite how to utilize 5G technology or various other electromagnetic weaponry, microwave weaponry to give someone a turbo cancer or give someone a cardiac arrest from a satellite or a 5G tower simply because they're carrying their phone in their front pocket. Right. We can overload that. And with MIMO technology, multiple input, multiple output technology with the new 5G towers and 6G coming soon, you have a million antennas that can target individual devices. You have an individual stream of data going directly to that one frequency set directly for that phone. That is a dangerous thing to have in the hands of tyrants. Um, and so <laughs> I look at it very cautiously, but, but then we can also look at the other side. What can we do with that knowledge? Yeah. No, I, I was love, love, love to talk about this stuff, but also not live in fear. Right. Right. So uh, maybe people will think I'm silly, but I did a 23andMe test on the same day I did an Ancestry.com test and I got two different results. My DNA <laughs> is my DNA. Right. And because I'm a scientist, I got to prove that things don't work. So I, I take machines like I did the GDV camera and the BioWell camera, which is Konstantin Karatkov's, you know, technology. And I did side-by-side -side comparisons with the same technology, got two different results. So to me, I can't trust the results because they should be consistent. So right. when I read, I read a lot, I, I, uh, I study a lot about the DNA and our past lives. And I think we're all so unique. There is no one size fits all. And that's why the right frequencies on the spooky, the spooky two aren't going to work for everybody. Maybe you'll hit or miss, maybe you'll get, you know, something that works, but unless you're looking at your individual cells, like Rife did, he was so brilliant. Um, but who can do that? you have to test everybody so uniquely and differently, but it's just, when you look at the DNA and the past lives, what did you bring over from your past life? If you believe in a past life. So I had a reoccurring dream that I drowned. I'd fall underneath the ice and I couldn't find my way back up. I had the dream throughout most of my childhood. And so after doing some sound and light therapy, the asthma went away the same time the dream went away. So reading uh, Julia Cannon's book, Dolores Cannon's daughter wrote a book called Soul Speak. And she talks about how we were talking before the show about the emotions and how they affect the different parts of the body and the different books that are out there. But she says when um, you have either drowned or maybe you had your uh, uh, choked or strangled or your head cut off, 
the DNA doesn't understand one lifetime from another lifetime. Mm. So it brings through asthma. <clears throat> and so it's very interesting how the dream went away the same time the asthma went away. So we're also unique and different. And it's just really, we have to find the combination to heal our own bodies. That's why we need to listen to our body. That's why we shouldn't be running to a doctor and saying, what's wrong with me? What do I take? But running to a doctor and saying, I'm feeling a pain, like I was talking earlier um, before the show, feeling a pain in my liver. Can you test my liver numbers? I hold on to a lot of anger and that's where you hold anger. You know, test that. We can take our power back and we can start tuning into our own bodies and going to the doctor and saying, can you test this? This is what I think is going on. Such a, such a beautiful, better relationship that we can have. Absolutely. Now, I, I and I say absolutely a lot because I'm agreeing with you and I just love where this conversation is going because it, it stimulates so much in my mind um, to, to lead into the next part. And DNA has a structure. Each of our DNAs has it, its own individualized structure. Um, I, I believe that we kind of, our, our DNA expresses differently in different lifetimes. I do believe in past lives. I, the guy I was talking about earlier, Ken, um, actually one of the experiences that we had together was this profound revelation of past life. And it was like literally like heart dropping, like no way that just happened. Um, and I've had quite a few other experiences. And one of the the, the thoughts or theories that we developed was that your, your DNA carries that lineage of energy. That energy is neither created nor destroyed. It's only transferred from one medium to another. But that, that translation through time, which I don't believe is linear, but that translation through time is carried through that DNA. Now, people will be like, yeah, but your DNA is biological and degrades after you die and breaks down back into proteins. No, 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 no. I don't think they understand. It's the geometry. It's the architecture, it's the fractal patternization of that, that is the antenna that picks that up, that knowledge, that information that's innate within that pattern. It's like when we start talking about structured water, Dr. Emoto and everything that he was doing. One of the most interesting things that I heard these scientists talk about that they, they, they weren't clicking on was that the water would move in and out of the structure. The different molecules would fit in like puzzle pieces to the geometry. And I'm like, that's not the water. That, that might be the, the structure of the water, but it's the structure of intention or thought that is being carried within the water that is forming the shape, the geometry, the architecture, the fractal pattern. It's the information that is the geometry not the the carrier of it yeah and, so yeah. We, we look at too uh not only the dna but the tones in our voice in the in because talking about emoto's work and if he puts love on a on a bottle with water you see these beautiful crystals if he puts hate they're all gnarly and jacked up but look at the uh if we listen to the tones of our voice and every uh, element in the periodic table of elements has um, an element that's related to a tone and a color. And we're starting to learn this now. So if you're missing a tone from your voice, it could spill over into a emotional or physical disease. Like the tone of E missing can be uh, asthma, emphysema, 
And oftentimes they find that you're a Leo in your zodiac sign and you're missing the color yellow and the tone of E. Hmm. So each zodiac sign. So Ani Williams is one of my mentors in this in this uh, topic, and she talks about the tones missing, but she also puts in the astrology. So you were talking about astrology astrology earlier. I listen to Pam Gregory a lot. I think she's really brilliant in how she defines what's happening astrologically. And you're talking about the water leak in your house, and we're talking about Pluto coming back and uh, into the kind of the planetary structure and it's a lot of water and so I found when that all happened I had a bunch of leaks in my house and people I would get on podcasts and like oh I had a leak today so a lot of water so there's so many astrological things going on right now there's so many it's so cool I'm just geeking out on how everything's just coming back with the age of Aquarius and the astrological things and then looking at the DNA the tones from the voice the colors the periodic table of elements, which I think, you know, that doesn't resonate with me. I think there's yeah. people now creating new periodic table of elements because they found that there were elements missing from the old periodic table. Fun stuff, really fun stuff. And I think it was, um, oh man, uh, not John Keeley. John Keeley did a little bit of research on that. You have Schultenberger who did a lot of research on the water aspect of things, but it was, uh, I got his books right over here. What am I, and Matt is uh, used to run his museum. Um, I, I keep on thinking Robert Ann Wilson. It's not Robert Ann Wilson. Um, man, somebody help me. Matt Presty. He was the uh, my buddy. Matt Presty was the uh, the chairman of the museum of this guy. Okay. Oh, Walter Russell. Walter Russell. Walter Russell. Yeah. Okay. I was yeah, going to say Walter that, Russell. and then Victor Schauberger came into my mind too. I'm like, yeah. no, he's not talking about Victor. Yeah. yeah so Walter, Walter Russell. Russell. Brilliant. Oh, absolutely. oh my gosh. I tried to study his work, but it's a little still over my head, but I still go back to it. And well, so Matt Presti, amazing. Uh, Matt Presti, a buddy of mine, he ran the school and museum for a long time. Uh, he is probably one of the foremost experts on Walter Russell on the planet. And he wow. explains it very well. So I can put you in touch with him as well. Oh, his um, stuff is great. But Walter Russell, he built out basically the frequency chart. Yes. of the periodic table of elements Correct. and where we will find all these other elements within that channel. And yeah. so far they've all been, most of them have been discovered, which I find just absolutely fascinating because it has to do with that. It has to be with that. We're, we're talking about atomic spaces that are getting, you know, wider and wider and wider and, and that an atom isn't a, a particle of matter as science would like us to believe. It's an oscillation of energy. It's a fluctuation of geometry that is actually occurring. And now, whatever that might be, whether that's vibrating super strings, well, what the hell's vibrating? What is producing that prime tone? And I believe the fabric of the universe is consciousness. I believe that the prime mover is consciousness. I think that the only thing that can ever be is consciousness. And the reason I believe that is because it, it goes back to the old adage, right? That if a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody there to hear it, right? It, does it make a does sound? It make a sound. Right. And, and we know that recently with the Nobel Prize in, in physics, with non-locality and with uh, quantum entanglement, that that tree doesn't actually fall or make a sound, that it exists in a state of improbability and non-locality until someone actually witnesses, consciously observes that tree. Does that tree actually have that effect? 
did the wave right. function actually collapse? Well, I'll and, tell you one thing with one of my clients, when the um, harmonic egg landed on the land in Peru, wasn't even assembled yet. The crates had arrived. Another client was in the harmonic egg in Belgium and said, I, I know that the harmonic egg is in Peru right now. And it in fact was. How, how does that even work? How can that consciousness even happen? Well, I, I got a few theories on that one. Well, well the ley lines. Yeah, yeah, ley lines in the sacred geometry of the egg just resonate. And if people are attuned to those various frequencies of those ley lines, they're going to feel it. They're going to sense it. They're going to get uh, they're going to get visions in their mind. And if they're able to translate that, they can see that it is what it is. It's crazy. And what is the, the self-organizing system? I, that's what people have said. This is, uh, is it Pregonier? I think it was a French guy that won the Nobel Prize for self-organizing systems and identifying that machines can be self-organizing systems. And so he says that, you know, that there can be self-organizing systems. So I call the egg a conscious technology. That's a bit of a self-organizing system because people are saying, you know, I just had this vision or I, I found the egg by this very magical way because it needed to be in Castro Valley, California on the fault line to help heal the land. It is so mind blowing to my engineering mind, what's been going on and what's going to be going on and what's happening on the planet with consciousness. It's somebody said in your chat, it's a great time to be alive. It really is. It's so fun. It, it absolutely is. And you know, it's not only a great time to be alive, it's a great time to be awakened to yeah. what is actually happening, to understanding what's happening consciously. Because there's a lot of people out there that they, they haven't even delved into the idea what consciousness is. They just live through their habits and behaviors. And then we look at, you know, the, the greater aspects of life by expanding that consciousness. And, you know, everything in the universe is a relationship, I would say, of consciousness, of energy. Mm -hmm. Energy and consciousness are synonymous. And uh, I love what you're doing with a harmonic egg. I can't wait to get out there and use it. Um, one thing I was wondering is, no, no, one thing, is it soundproof? Yes and no. So if there's a train going by, you're going to hear it on the outside. Okay. But in, for the most part, you can tell, because I've taken decibel meters and brought them inside. So it is somewhat soundproof, yes. Okay. Are, are you able to control the atmosphere inside of it? What do you mean the atmosphere? So let's say that I was in there and we have normal just air with 18 to 19% oxygen. We could pump that up to 29% oxygen, which would have a pro more profound effect on the breathing cycles to induce a spiritual experience. Great question. I don't know. I do know that when somebody has done an IV in there, we've had doctors do IVs, they have to slow the drip line so slow because it just seems to suck it right out of the uh, bag. So there's something going on in there, but I don't know that there's any equipment that I could measure that. Okay. I, I Just curious, because that's one thing that like, when I look at that, I'm like, man, that would be great if I could like get, get an increase of oxygen yeah. in the system, yeah. right? To do some you know, Wim Hof breathing in there. Right. Totally. Totally. Um, because there's also just a lot of stuff that's, you know, you can't measure scalar waves. I think we're using scalar waves because they work in with pure love. 
in the, the way that I've created my business model is the divine feminine business model I call and the, our brand attributes being love, integrity, community, and reliability. And so scalar waves exist in pure love, but is there a machine out there that can test? A lot of people say, oh, I'm using scalar waves. Can they prove it? Or are they just saying that they use scalar waves? Right. Well, it, you know, it, it's interesting that you said that because uh, I'm, I'm aware of Constantine Miles' work on scalar waves, on uh, longitudinal waves. Um, you you had, uh, uh, what was it, Cherney.com, uh, the, the old colonel from the... Uh, uh, the, the army, uh, he's actually published on, on scalar technology and scalar waves. Um, but when I look at scalar waves is kind of going to the theoretical side of, a, of uh, electromagnetism is that the scalar wave is actually the carrier of the force. This is how I look at it is the scalar wave is actually the carrier of the force. And what you actually have is the traverse electromagnetic wave is the reaction of the ether to the transmission of the scalar wave. So if we imagine a, a force propagating through an ether, which has properties, it, it, it has a neutral state property, a, a sum zero property. But as a force propagates through that, those properties are going to go out of balance. They're going to polarize, right? They're going to polarize. Mm -hmm. And then as that force moves away, they have to collapse. That rate of collapse, I believe, is the speed of light. Okay. Okay. The, the energy exhaustion, the excess energy exhaustion is what we actually perceive as light, right? Of the ether, that what we're actually perceiving as light is actually the collapsing of the ether within that oscillation of the scalar wave transitioning through of what we would see as a traverse wave. And so what we're actually measuring as a traverse wave, the electromagnetic wave, is simply a, a, um, a disruption within the ether as a scalar wave is transiting through it. So... I, at least that's what I got out of Constantine yeah. Miles research when I looked at it. So if you have this harmonic geometric egg and you're pumping, you know, light and sound into it, absolutely. You have scalar waves that are bouncing and around off of the geometry in there that are doing something. And if they are attuned towards natural sounds and frequencies, then absolutely they're going to be in an abundance of that healing potential. Right. And then because it's in a, a small cubic airspace is not dissipating into the ether of a room if you're right. just sitting on a sound table or something like that. So that's what I like about it. It's really contained when in, in an immersive experience. And, you know, people have said that they've levitated in there. I don't know. Um, sometimes I felt like I've levitated, but I thought if I open my eyes and I'm not, I'm going to be really disappointed because it really feels like my arms are just floating. Um, so I didn't, I didn't want to look. But yeah, no, it's been such an amazing experience to see the testimonials. I had a nine-year-old leave a testimonial yesterday on our testimonials page. And uh, he said he was just so happy and he loved it. It just, it's so cute. And, um, you know, we've had so many women come in that said that, you know, they couldn't get pregnant. And I think what happened was when the body's in that fight or flight response, in that little soul. Can you imagine being a little soul out there in the universe? And then you see that body that's stuck in fight or flight. That's not a good environment to grow up in or to grow in for nine months. But once we can balance the autonomic nervous system and bring them back into a, a parasympathetic state, that, that little environment in that womb and that body seems much more inviting. So there's just, it's so beautiful. I can't tell you how many things that have happened that 
I just feel so blessed to be able to be a part of it. <laughs> I, I, I'm blessed to have this conversation with you. This was fantastic. And I mean, I got a ton more thoughts and questions, but yeah, we, same, we, but it's we're coming actually, on nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah, I'm we're, like, we're, oh, we're out of getting time. Tired. <laughs> yeah, no, we are absolutely out of time. And uh, so we're going to have to do another show together. Sure. That'd uh, be amazing. Follow up on a few things and do another show together and come out here and wow these people again. This was absolutely fantastic. Guys, you can find Gal at harmonicegg.com if you want to. This is actually a cool website for everybody out there. If you're wondering about the harmonic egg and want to use it, you go into the website and you go to locations. And when you go into the locations area, you can search your state or your province or wherever you are. And you can find out where there's a harmonic egg location near you then all of i believe every single one of these centers are certified by gail and her team so you go in there you're going to get the utmost professionalism with them and you can have the harmonic egg experience uh they're they're reasonably priced that's why i was like man i'm i'm going um i i want to like i want to buy one for my house but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go to one of these centers first and try it out i'm one of those people that buy things before i actually try it out and but I don't think I would be disappointed in this at all. I think that's that this so is funny. I have one in my house, but I have to, of course, because you know, right. just we have a little home unit too. That's like a little light, a little light capsule. If you think you know, you're gonna get beam me up, Scotty, in there. So yeah, it's been really, really fun. So one quick question before we go, because I see someone mentioning something, and that reminded me of a question she wanted to ask you. Have you guys had any uh, benefit with people with MS and the harmonic egg? So I believe MS is Lyme disease at the root. And so I really find that if you do work on antivirals, um, the viral, we have a viral protocol to help with Epstein-Barr virus. But I did have a woman that came in and she said she had uh, MS, which is, you know, the nerve endings die. And this might be a little bit more, a little bit embarrassing, but she couldn't have orgasms anymore. And she was able to have those again. So that told me that it really wasn't MS because the nerve endings, if they were dead, she wouldn't have been able to have that stimulation. So I've really, we've had people who were headed for a wheelchair and they did it, but you never know. We can't, we can't know what their journey is on the planet and what they're here to teach. But yes, we, we've pretty much had, I think the body has an innate ability to heal. And if we, we know that we can heal from a cut, we know that our bones will heal when they break. So why don't we believe that we can heal from MS? Um, oh, someone says MS is a parasite issue. I can believe that as well. Um, why, why don't we believe we can heal from Parkinson's? You know, they say it's a degenerative disease, but what I've found is with heavy metals, if you detox the heavy metals that pass through the blood brain barrier that cause the tremors, then people are actually able to get rid of the tremors and take heel to toe steps that were just shuffling their feet. So we have to believe that our body is amazing. The body doesn't know disease by name that God gave us perfect bodies and they know how to heal when we're in the right environment. So if the body doesn't know disease by name, I'll leave it at that. Well said, beautiful. Gail, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Everybody out there, I'll be heading over to uh, Fringe After Dark Show. You can find that on socialredpill.com, socialredpill.com. Make sure you choose the right subscription to get into the Fringe After Dark. Much love, respect. God bless everybody. Take care. Have a good night. See you next time. Try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon.